podcasting from conciliators. This is the Ty Brown Show. If you're a human and you think you might have to interact with other humans at some point and you'd like that to go well, then listen up. Oh, yeah. It's time to get cozy with conflict. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Ty Brown Show. We are starting 2020 off in style with a very special guest. Uh, this guest is an ADR champion and he's going to help you to know where to start when you find yourself stuck in a conflict. Um, our guest is Jeremy Pollock and Jeremy is an anthropologist and conflict resolution consultant in Silicon Valley working in uh, several cities there in California helping companies in, in myriad of ways work through the conflicts that are holding them back. Jeremy's an expert in the psychology and the social dynamics and the peace building methodologies of interpersonal and intergroup conflict. He's an entrepreneur, a scholar, and dispute resolution royalty. Everyone put your hands together for Jeremy Pollock. Jeremy, thanks for being here with us. Hey, thanks, Ty. Appreciate it. You bet. You bet. Uh, for those who might be new to the show, um, the purpose that this podcast was created was to bring the benefits of alternative dispute resolution to the masses, to everyone in everyday sort of situations, help people disagree better and interact with a little bit less stress. Um, really, we want people to be confident when they are faced with a difficult conversation and uh, just feel a little more comfortable when conflict arises. So those are some of the main purposes. And um, one thing we talk about a lot on this show is contempt and the amount of contempt that people feel towards others. And we are trying real hard to prevent that in our communities and to promote just a little more love. So um, that is the purpose of the show. Uh, our show, we always start off with a little story. That's how we do most of our learning here. And um, we use this, this stop hitting yourself segment uh, to demonstrate how a lot of our conflicts are sort of self-inflicted. Uh, we have a tendency to elicit the behavior in others that's actually annoying us <laughs> to begin with. Um, so, Jeremy, I wanted to just ask you, in your experience uh, dealing with lots of conflicts and lots of situations, do you ever see this sort of counterproductive effort where we end up sort of hitting ourselves when we're in conflict? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that I was thinking about this question and um one thing that dawns on me is a, a very common communication dichotomy that I see both like between intimate partners as well as between business partners. And it's usually when there's one, one of the, uh, the partners or one of the parties um, has a, a softer style and is more of an abstract thinker and they communicate in more abstract ways or, or a little bit more, uh, around um, around the point instead of direct at it. <clears throat> and sorry, I've, yeah. I'm coming off of a cold, so my, I've got a little cough thing. But um, oh, we get it. You're yeah. Good. Uh, and then the other party is a lot of times a a much more direct speaker. They're very left brain. They're very logical. <laughs> and that dichotomy seems to create this this strange um, this strange communication dynamic where the the logical one or the direct communicator. They, they talk in a, in a manner that feels like an attack to the other because the other is, is, is a little bit softer. And, they, and the one that's feeling attacked starts to shut down and, 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 and get smaller. And when she, she or he does that, the other person feels like he's not being listened to. And so he, he increases the amount of his, his communication, the intensity of it. And the other person, in turn, 
shrinks down even more. And this, this cycle continues. So they're eliciting the response of each other that they don't want. It's very, that's what I thought about when you asked me that question. Yeah, that, you explained that so well. And um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you, Jeremy, a story that happened sure. just recently. And um, I want you to see if, if you're able to kind of give us an analysis of, of what you just described happening here in this story. So um, I live, I live uh, on, in this neighborhood that gets a lot of snow. Uh, we're at the base of the, the mountains and uh, we just get hammered. Every storm, lots of snow. And it just so happens that our street, um, it has a hill coming down towards our house on one side and a hill coming down to our house on the other side. So the street that goes in front of our house is like a trough. Mm -hmm. And in this trough, you may many enter, but few will leave. Um, the, the, during a snowstorm, it is the Bermuda Triangle oh. of snow snow driving, <laughs> and so we often uh, we often go out front and we just help cars that slide off the road into our driveway. Oh wow! And um, it just happens. It happens every storm, and our mailbox has been knocked over at least six times. In fact, it's no longer even stuck in the ground. We keep it in a in this cinder block. So if it gets knocked, it just falls over. Oh my <laughs> okay, gosh. So that's the setting. Okay. <laughs> okay. So big storm. We've got all four of my little kids. They're all sitting out. They're actually sledding down my driveway and this older couple, they come driving down the road. They go into the trough and they slide off the road right. into, into our mailbox. Right. Okay. So there they are. They're stuck. Kind of an older couple. Okay. And the husband gets out and, um, he doesn't want our help. Not at all. He doesn't want to talk to us. He's, he's, he's mad that he's stuck, probably mm. feeling self-conscious that he got stuck in the first mm. place. Um, and so he asks his wife to get in the driver's seat and she kind of resists this. And I can tell probably the reason why she's resisting this is because she doesn't want the pressure of driving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she's so, going to get yelled at if she doesn't do it right or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, that ended up being true. So she reluctantly gets in the driver's seat and he's trying to push the car. And as soon as, and he's, he's got the window unrolled and he's like, all right, all right, push the gas. And she pushes the gas and the tires start spinning and the car just slides further off the road. Mm -hmm. And um, he says, stop, stop, stop. And she stops and he goes, why didn't you listen to me? And, you know, and, She's like, oh, I'd never wanted to do this in the right, first right. place. <clears throat> she um, knew it was going to become her fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so um, so the husband continues to bark. He's just barking orders at her. Mm. Okay, no, easy this time. No, okay, no, go, go, go. You know, and, and she's trying. And inevitably, after a few seconds of every attempt, she just puts on the brakes. And she says, I'm not doing this. And she's mad at him. And he's mad at her that she's not doing this. And eventually this thing gets resolved because my, my five-year-old son, actually he's six, he's six. It's hard to keep them straight. My six-year-old son, who's just watching this unfold, um, he says to them, he says to the guy, he says, you know, your instructions are hard to follow. <laughs> and then he walked up to the car and he says to the woman, and he says, but you still need to try. <laughs> Wow. What a mediator. <laughs> it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. So this was my son Griffin. So that's kind of how it was resolved. But I want to now just go back for a second and starting kind of from the perspective of the husband. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
what did he, I guess, what did he perceive was his wife's response? And, and then how did he react because of what he was seeing her do? Um, and then we're going to kind of talk about the, the reverse of how she interpreted his behaviors and how she be reacted as a result. Um, so I know that was like a really complicated way to set this up, but do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, so I, the way, I mean, just off the, you know, just off the top of my head, it, it see, it's, I, I look at when people are in a, in a state where they're having trouble communicating, they're usually in a place of pain. Um, yeah. And so he, his pain was potentially, yeah, you know, insecurity or, or self-consciousness or sort of anger at himself or embarrassment of some sort, right? Right, And yeah. when you're Absolutely. in that state, yeah, when you're in that state, it's it's super hard to communicate effectively with anyone else. Uh, yeah. And she she could tell he was in that state. She knows her husband well enough to know he's he's in that state, and it, this isn't going to go well for me. That is such a good insight. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So so I mean, uh, you know, uh, he he set up the dynamic. He, he if if she if she's not in a place where she's able to be what I would call generous with her heart, knowing that he's in a place of pain and that when he says stuff and yells and whatever, it's not because of her. But if she takes it personally and internalizes it, they're going to be a communication breakdown and no one's going to get anything done. So, she, so one of them would have to be the quote unquote bigger person and say yeah. that she or he is in a place of pain and I need to be more generous and open with myself and calm down and be more self-aware. Kind of yeah. Yeah, and ultimately it, the child was was able to get them both there. When he's when your when your son said that, did did they actually like hear him and go, "Oh, wait a minute, a little kid knows," you know? Yeah, they calm down. they were embarrassed. In fact, at that point, um, that's when I came over and I said, "Can I help you out?" And he said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll pay you something if you can get me out of this." Oh. <laughs> and I said, "Well." <laughs> That won't be necessary, right? Yeah. Um, and so at that point, I started pushing with him. And um, because I know the street, I was kind of telling them the tricks of getting out of this spot. And, uh, yeah. and uh, oddly enough, as we're, as we're doing this, a snowplow came by and cleared the road. So they were able to get back on and on their way pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but it totally snapped them out of it. Yeah, it totally did. Well, I, you know, the, and the one thing that I would think that if I, if I were to approach them and like, at, you know, say, Hey, could you want some help is just to, to like make it clear that, Hey, this happens to everyone, yeah. not just you, you know? Right. So like he understands right. that he's, he's not some <laughs> idiot that this happened to. This is just a common thing and yeah. he has nothing to be embarrassed about. You know? Yeah. And you know, I totally should have led with that. Um, and I didn't, I just came over and I was like, looks like you need some help, which is like the worst thing you could say. Right, 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 right. Uh, no, I don't need any help. Yeah. What? And that's what yeah, he said. I'm he goes, fine. Oh, we're fine. We're not even really stuck yet. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so true though. And I don't know why, like I, I study this and I do this for a living and like, I still mess things up all the time. Yeah, um, of course. But that's like, that's a great, it's just so true though. Like it's so easy to kind of forget the space, the mental space someone might be occupying in a, yeah. in a, in a, time like this you know well yeah exactly i mean and there's advantages and disadvantages to being an outsider not because her her his her wait his wife at that moment knows her husband well enough probably to know how he's going to be affected and so before even interacting with him on this she already quit she already said i'm not even going to deal with it right but if there's a tool for her to use potentially and go wait i know this is going to trigger my husband i know he's going to be in the state I don't want to be in the fight with him. So I'm yeah. going to allow him to express himself 
even though he might be yelling at me, I know it's not about me. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And you it's know, tough. It's, it's tough. It is tough. And it's funny because I think, you know, for her, she sees her husband, she sees all the signs that he's, he's probably going to be difficult to work with right now. Yeah. Yeah. She knows that she sees that. And so it's interesting because her response to that was, well, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to kind of shut down. Yeah. I'm not going to put myself in the vulnerable position of, of being barked at over this, you know? Right. And so, but it's funny because as she withdrew more, he became more incessant with his orders. That's and, exactly what happens, right? Because he doesn't feel like he's getting heard and listened right. to. So yeah. he's got to be louder and more intense to get listened to. And the more he does that, the more she's going to shut down. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And she's trying to send signals that, hey, this isn't working. You're going right. to have to change your approach oh. here. And he's not picking up the right signal. Boy, oh boy. I, I, yeah, like I, this, I mean, I just was in a, a mediation uh, like, you know, a few days ago. And it's just very clear to me. And it's like one person was extremely incessant and repeating himself going over and over and over. And the other individual just couldn't, he couldn't interact and he started to go sh and shrink down. And the more the guy, the guy was talking at him, the more he literally the whole, his whole body went like this and really? he kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Really? And I could see it and I had to stop and I had to say, listen, listen, you're repeating. Can you see what's happening here to your partner? Look at him, you know, like, yes, let's get back to an even playing field. Yeah. It was really interesting. Yeah. That's a, see, that's a, such a great example that yes. Thank you. I think that will wrap up our stop hitting yourself segment. Um, uh, thank you for the analysis there. And, and, and listeners, keep in mind, you're going to find yourself in these kinds of cycles. And um, think about what Jeremy was saying here. Um, we see this all the time. I mean, it's a really common element of a lot of conflicts. And you've got to stop the cycle uh, using the strategies we just discussed. Okay, so let's go ahead and, and uh, just dive into a little bit more uh, about you and your background, Jeremy. And, and I'm hoping that as we talk, people might find, uh, find uh, I guess, the, some tools and also the courage to go ahead and uh, do a little better with their interpersonal and, and maybe even their group conflicts that they might be part of. So yeah. um, what, what inspired you to get into this field of dispute resolution? Uh, you know, so I, um, I, I'm a lifelong martial artist. And uh, so I, I had, I had always um, been interested in this idea of, you know, what, what can most quickly resolve conflict and, you know, coming from martial arts pra practice, I had, I had good teachers. So it wasn't, so it was very much uh, this idea that, you know, a self to physical sort of resolution is always a very last resort. And how do we resolve things more peacefully? How do we stay humble and stay confident at the same time and be compassionate and that kind of thing? And so that was a really interesting concept to me. And eventually it led me into studying anthropology. Um, and I was very interested in like when I did graduate school for anthropology, it was um, studying group dynamics and how groups cooperate with each other. And that led me into being becoming very interested in just, you know, general, like what is the psychology of group conflict? And, and of conflict in general, how do people get along? And, and simultaneously, when I was in grad school, I was also doing, I was at a private coaching practice. And so, um, and I started to get requests from my clients to help mediate some relationship problems between them and some of their business partners a lot of times. And so even yeah. sometimes they're in. Yeah. So, um, so, that, so that all kind of led me into, okay, well, maybe I, I want to study this in a more applied fashion. And then I went to graduate school for uh, 
conflict resolution and peace building. And so I started using that more as on, on, you know, sort of on the ground tools and methods to helping people actually get out of conflict. So starting from the psychology of it and then moving into like actually techniques to get out of it. Um, yeah. That, so I, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of yeah. how the trajectory of my interest went. I loved, I loved hearing about your martial arts background and how that, um, that dovetailed really with this peace building effort that you're engaged in yeah. now. It's a, um, you know, people, I think people see that as, um, uh, as mutually exclusive. Like how can you, like, how does martial arts factor into, you know, um, uh, to, to peace building. But I, and I, I, I've had lots of interesting discussions about this. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of intersection there because I, I think, I, I, I do believe that in order to be a person that can successfully resolve conflicts um, peacefully, you have to have enough confidence and security within yourself to hold a safe space for other people's feelings and emotions when they come out and not to be so defensive and feel like you're being attacked and stuff like that. Right. And if you don't have a strong sense of self or strong sense of confidence that you can hold your own space and you, you're confident in yourself, your defenses can go up much more quickly. And so I think, I think learning to be confident and learning to be humble and at the same time, um, it, it lends that, that mindset of a, of a, of a true martial artist, not someone who's like a tough guy or something, but that mindset kind of lends itself to a, a peace builder's mindset. Excellent. I loved some of those, those descriptors you used, um, you know, humility and confidence, which um, sometimes are, are viewed as uh, almost op opposing, but yeah. they're not, right? That, yeah. That'd be a misunderstanding to say that. Confidence um, without arrogance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like being, staying humble, but being confident yeah. can, can lead to being kind, essentially. Right. Yes, it, it does breed compassion. Uh, if, yeah. if, if you are able to possess both confidence and humility, you're in a position where you can be compassionate. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, anyway, that's ex excellent. Um, excellent background on that. And thanks for sharing. In fact, um, a couple of side notes. Uh, I understand you, you've actually opened and uh, run a number of martial arts studios. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I owned martial arts studios in Los Angeles um, when I lived there and then I sold them in 2012. And, okay. Yeah. Well, excellent. So all you listeners out there in California, um, go learn martial arts and just maybe you too can be great. <laughs> yeah. Just make, just make sure you have the right teacher who, who teaches you humility, not just, uh, yeah. how to beat people up or something. Who, uh, what, what's the name of the, I guess the studio that you had going or a group of studios, I suppose. Yeah. Well, my, my company was called Academy of Mixed Martial Science. That was okay. what it was called. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, now, now it's, it's transformed into another company when they yeah. bought it and Native. named it something new, but there, okay. yeah. And um, I, I forgot to even say this, but um, Jeremy, he's the founder of Pollock Peacebuilding Systems. Um, and, and I was hoping you could give us just kind of a little blurb about what Pollock Peacebuilding Systems does for businesses. I know we have um, lots of business people listening to this podcast, so maybe you can share what you guys do and, and, and how to reach out if there's any interest there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, uh, we help companies navigate uh, you know, challenging interpersonal situations, uh, as well as optimize culture. Um, and then we help, you know, train, train uh, employees too. So we have three main services. One is acute conflict resolution, which we call our peacemaking service, which is, you know, two or three people aren't getting along. We come in there and we help, uh, we, we act as transformative mediators. So we help to, to try to rebuild the relationship by 
getting at what's underlying the conflicts and the challenges and helping to figure out, okay, so how can we solve some of this stuff and, and get through and, and make a, 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 an agreement to have better relationships and what kind of steps need to happen. Um, the second one is uh, cultural optimization and intervention. So if there's a larger number of people or just the, the department or the company as a whole, no one's getting along, there's low, mor low morale, high turnover, that kind of stuff, come in and do an assessment. Um, we usually facilitate a dialogue based on the results of the assessment and try to figure out, you know, what people think about the assessment and solutions. And then we, and then we offer a bunch of interventions that we actually carry out ourselves, um, coaching, training, consulting, facilitating meetings, that kind of stuff. And then the third thing we do is train. So we do communications training, conflict resolution skills training, mediation skills training. Nice, nice, yeah. awesome. Well, good summary. Um, so now going into your practitioner mindset here. Yeah. Um, when you get involved in resolving, in this case, let's call it one of those acute, you know, acute conflict resolution needs. Um, and if it's interpersonal, uh, because that's probably the most, everyday sort of circumstance our listeners would be encountered with where yeah. do you where do you start when resolving an interpersonal conflict that's gotten that's gotten serious um well do you mean like so personally um and this is something that is part of the sort of training is um i think what's what's important is having the correct mindset as a, as a peace builder um and and if you are in a conflict for instance i when i train people i train them to try to think of if you want to resolve this conflict peacefully, you know, if you don't want to fight, you have to make a decision whether you want to fight or yeah. resolve peacefully. So sometimes right. the right strategy is, is to, to, to try to dominate, you know, but, the, but in, the, in the strategy that you choose where you want to resolve peacefully, then you have to have a, a particular mindset. And um, I use the, the a very simple acronym CAN, um, which is Curiosity, Alliance, and Needs Awareness. And that's my mindset. So A, I want to stay very curious. So I'm coming in, yeah. um, and if I'm curious, it means that I don't have all the information yet. Even though I might have heard the story, I don't have all the information, and I really need to listen to everybody who's involved individually and consider what they're saying and, and be really present and interested in what they're saying, and that's how I stay curious so that I can learn each person's perspective and their story and where they're at. Uh, the next thing is alliance. So... I want to make sure that everyone knows I'm on their team. And so if I'm, a, if I'm in a conflict, for instance, and I come in and someone, someone says, comes to me and says, I have a problem with you and they want to tell me their problem with me and that kind of stuff. I have to stay, if I want to be in a peace builder's mindset, I have to stay curious. And I, and I want to get into a feeling of being an ally with them, not I'm the problem, right. they're the problem. Right. I want to be on your team. Right. Right. And the, the third part is needs awareness. And I just want to, I want to make sure that I stay aware when I'm listening to what their story is and what's going on for them. And I'm, and I'm trying to help them understand that I'm on their team. I want to make sure that, that I'm aware of their needs. So there's underlying interests or underlying needs that are uh, motivating the conflict. And I want to make sure that I, okay, what, yeah. what underlying core need is being affected here? Yeah. You know? What are some examples of, of needs that, that you have to be mindful of? Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to, I tend to list four needs that are important, especially for the workplace. Um, those would be respect, uh, identity, safety, and control. So those four needs have to be satisfied to a particular level or else people just aren't going to be happy and it's going to lead to conflict. So, you know, so I'm asking myself, what is going on for this person? What's going on? Do they feel disrespected in some level? Do they feel like that they, that like essentially that they don't matter 
to, to someone or right. uh, do they feel that their identity is being threatened, that they're, whether they're incompetent or, or incompetent or whatever they identify with, is that, is that, is that, is that being threatened in some way or impeded in some way? Do they feel unsafe or do they feel that they don't have any control over their situation? They have no impact or influence over their work situation or their, or their life situation. Like what's going on for them? And it could be all four. Right. You know, so, right. so I just want, if I understand the need, then I can start to help problem solve creatively to get the need filled without necessarily adhering to the desire that they've, or the position that they've, um, yeah. that they've, that they've come up with like like someone says you know um i want uh i want more x in the conference room or because it's whatever and, and i and i and i if i can get to the need why do they want that why do they want it and if i can get to that then i might go well you know we can't give you x but we can probably give you y that would work for for the company and for us and that would also solve your need would that work? You know, so there's a lot, and there's lots of different examples that right. I'm not coming up with off the fly here, but like that, you know, it helps to understand. It helps thing. so much. And it makes it a lot easier to be on the same team if you can stay needs yeah. focused because yeah. otherwise you're at an impasse and, um, and it's hard, you know, when you feel like someone doesn't understand your needs, even if you're not doing a good job making them uh, yeah. explicit, you still feel this, this, um, uh, you, you feel a, a certain level of, uh, I, I guess adversity or you're just, you know, if you're not understood by someone, it's hard to remember you're on the same team, even if it's obvious that you are even like well, a lot. Marriage. Yeah. And you know, and a lot of people in conflict when they're triggered emotionally, they feel alone. Yeah. They feel like yeah. they're all alone in this right. thing. And right. so if you're not, if they don't, if they're not getting heard, if they, if they don't feel like their need is getting met, they're not getting heard. They're not, their voice isn't getting met. Um, they're just still alone. So the moment that they feel like, well, this person is really, that's why, that's why we do like uh, reflecting or, or reframing a, to right. know, reflect to someone back, like acknowledging what they just said so that they understand. Cause if I hear that, Oh, this person's actually really getting where I'm at. Right. They can sense what I'm feeling. They can sense what I'm needing. Then I'm not so alone anymore. And that a lot of times lowers people's defenses. Right. Yes. Excellent. Well said. You know, guys, I wonder where I wonder where we've heard before that mindset is a good place to start. Um, I, it's almost like there must be something true to that, uh, because yep. every expert <laughs> we've ever had here agrees that mindset is is pretty much always the the place to start if you find yeah. yourself in conflict. So, um, go ahead and do that, guys. Um, okay, so. While we're on it, I, I'm curious to get from your perspective, what are some of the more common communication failures that you encounter that you see? I mean, actually playing out in businesses and elsewhere. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the one we talked about earlier with just this, that dichotomy is a very common one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that did, like differences in communication styles is, is definitely a, a big one where, where it breaks down. Um, but I think piggybacking on our, on what we were just talking about, uh, when, when people are in a, in a um, conflict mindset, in other words, they're triggered in some way, they're emotionally fired up, their fight or flight sort of mechanisms have been activated. Uh, it's very hard to communicate. And a lot of times when your defenses are up, you are, pe people, um, they perceive that the other is intending harm. And this is where communication starts breaking down a lot people making assumptions about the other, about the other person's 
uh, uh, intentions. And so I would just say, you know, like, try your best to remember, you know, if you have some techniques to like, help yourself get out of an emotional state, that's number one, like stop, breathe, breathe, remove yourself from the situation if you need to, you cannot communicate if you're in defense mode, you just it just won't happen, it won't be effective, right? right. If you can get out of defense mode, can you can you get to a place where you start remembering that this person might not be intending to harm me. This person right. might not be intending to just completely neglect me. They, they might not be doing this maliciously. Um, but, but if I'm in a, in a reactionary state, then I, a lot of times that assumption becomes true and, uh, and communication just completely breaks down. Yeah. That is such a, such an important point to make. Um, and, and I see that a lot. I see that a lot in my work uh, as well. In fact, it reminds me of this instance just recently with a guy who was um, getting a little bit of negative feedback from his boss and in the feedback, it was negative because he had made a mistake. And it was funny because after getting this feedback, this relationship that had been pretty good up until then, uh, for years, in fact, just started deteriorating. Mm. And it was because he got stuck in reaction mindset mode, right? And, and what he needed to realize was, you know, what, I did make a mistake. And yeah, it's the boss's job to make sure I learn from it. And that's fine. Yeah. He's, he still knows that I'm a stud and that I'm good at this job. But, but he wasn't thinking like that. <laughs> it was just defense. I need to prove yeah. that I'm, you know, that I'm better. And in fact, the boss shouldn't have said that about me because he doesn't know anything about my job, right? Like, you know. Well, is the, and is the boss also giving compliments when, when, when warranted to? Like, is that? <laughs> Who knows? I, <laughs> probably because, not enough. Yeah, because, well, because like, well, one thing is like people have confirmation bias. So a lot of times they're going to have selective perception about what is coming in and what's not. So like if they hear if they feel like, oh, the, the boss is out to get me. And then all of a sudden, there's five instances of interaction. Three of them are negative and two of them are positive. A lot of times the person will just confirm their own bias and say, they won't even think about the two. They'll just think about the three that confirms this guy's out to get me, right? Right. So, so yeah. that could be happening or it could be true that the boss isn't doing the job of actually giving enough positive feedback so that right. every time there's an interaction, it's all about what you're doing wrong. And that's not a good place either. That's, that requires some leadership training. Exactly. So call Jeremy, if that's you guys. <laughs> All right. So um, if, if people only remember just one thing from listening today, uh, what would you hope that they would grasp and take from you, uh, given just all that you've learned doing this over the years? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I always, if, if there's only, if there's only one thing that I try to get impart to anyone in any training or anything, it's remember that everyone needs to feel they matter. That's all. If you, if you are ever find yourself in a conflict or if you're at work or whatever, and you, and people start to get heated, or whatever, just remember everyone needs to know they matter. List. So like they need to hear, feel listened to, they need to feel heard. They need to feel attended to take time for them, be generous with your time, be generous with your heart. They need to feel that they matter. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Now lightning round time. This is just so people can get to know you a little bit better uh, on a, maybe a little bit different level. All right. Um, so Jeremy, did you make any new year's resolutions? You know, I tend not to do resolutions because <laughs> I try uh, yeah, but um, but but if there's if there's there's one that I thought about that I just want to you know want to put intention on is just 
being more present in my personal life because yeah. I, I'm, I'm very present in my work life because yeah. when I'm working as a consultant, you have to be present, you have to pay attention. But, you know, my work life with my wife and, and with my family and, you know, just, just staying present, not thinking about work when I'm not at work. Yeah, stuff, so. totally. It's so funny you say that because I, uh, I was telling my wife, I, you know, I, I, I try to make goals, you know, regularly, not just once a year, but, um, I do always pick a theme, like a personal theme. Yeah. 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 And, um, I was telling her, you know, kind of what my hope was for this year and it was to be present. And so she was helping me develop this into a theme of just be here, be here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I, maybe we were cut out of the same cloth here. Yeah, be um, here okay. now. I like that one. Yeah, and uh, hers is simplify because we have too many toys in the house. I like that too. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm. I, that's part of my. I, I have a feeling that's gonna be part of my year too. Simplify. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, there's a lot that can be said about simplify. Yeah. Okay, if you could go on vacation anywhere in the world right now, where would you go, and who would you take? I'd go with my wife to Tokyo. Tokyo? Why Tokyo? I just have long had an urge to, to go there. I think it's, it looks very interesting. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I, everyone I've heard of who's traveled to Tokyo has always come back trying to make me feel envious of them. Oh yeah. So there must be something too. to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, true or false, you watched at least one Hallmark Christmas movie this last Christmas. So, 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 uh, uh, Oh, so I don't know about some hesitation. <laughs> I, I watched I watched Love Actually. I don't know if that okay. counts as a Hallmark. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't actually think that that truly qualifies. But. Okay, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I haven't watched an actual Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks so much for for coming and sharing some of your insight and help. Um, it is a big deal to to have some tools that can help us to interact with people better. It makes life a lot more enjoyable and uh, we wish you the best in your work and hope that you can just continue, continue making the world a better place by resolving conflict uh, one business at a time. Amen. All right.